I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. You are called. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. In John 15, 16, Jesus says these words, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. One of the things that I think we all long for, it's a longing in our soul, is to feel called to something, that our life has a kind of purpose, that the things that we do in our vocations, actually make a difference. I think it's a deep longing of the soul. I also work with college students, so I I understand that for many of them, that can feel like a lot of pressure. The average college student changes their major 2.3 times, which is weird. I don't know how you do something 2.3 times, but the idea is that more than twice, the average student will change their major more than two times in the course of their college career. And this isn't really surprising because how many of us actually, at the age of 18, know what it is that we are called to do? So in my own life, that fits because when I went to college, I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher. That was my chosen vocation at the age of 18 as I entered into college. And that was basically because I liked English when I was in high school. And my English professor was also the basketball coach. So I just thought, I can do that. That sounds pretty cool. I can teach high school English and I can coach sports. That's about all I knew. But then Jesus came into my life as I was entering into college. And slowly my desires, my passions, my hopes for what I might do with my life began to change. And I would eventually change majors. I changed from being an English education major to a religion and philosophy major. And I remember when I went to my professor, he was my English ed professor, Dr. Dawson, and I said, hey, I'm going to change. And he said, okay, why? And I said, "I, I think I have a higher calling. I'll never forget what he said. He said, well, don't call it a higher calling. It's just a different calling. If you'd gone on to be an English teacher in high school, that would have been a very high calling. And I was grateful for Dr. Dawson for saying that because it helped me understand that everything that we feel called to do with our lives is a high calling. When I think about calling, I think about something that my good friend, Dr. Jeff Bjork, who actually was on this podcast recently, what he taught me about calling. He said there's two kinds of callings that every Christian has. One is what he called a a capital C or a large C calling. 
And that is that all of us are called, first and foremost, to be a disciple of Jesus. We're called to be an apprentice, to arrange our lives around Jesus as our Lord, to do what he said to do, and in so doing, to become the kind of person who would bear fruit with their life. So back to John 15, 16. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit. The, the primary calling of all of our lives is to live as a disciple of Jesus, to do the things that he taught us to do, to live with him in his unshakable kingdom, and become a kind of person that has a, an impact on other people by virtue, simply, of being a person who walks with Jesus. That is your first and most primary calling. But the lowercase, or small c calling, would be our vocational calling. And one of the things that I've learned is that for many of us, there isn't one clear call. The majority of people, at least in my experience, have a long journey discovering exactly what it is that they were called to do, because in many cases, people were called to many things. Most of us think that it's like a bullseye. There's one thing that I have to do. I've got to figure out what that one calling is and then do it. Otherwise, I will have missed the mark. That's not been my experience for how this works. And one great example of that is a man named EJ. EJ, I write about him in chapter 10 of The Good and Beautiful You. EJ, when he was in high school, he was very active in his church, and he went to visit his minister, and he talked about being called into ministry. And this minister very much affirmed that, said, that's wonderful. I think you would do great with that. So for a couple of years, he thought, yeah, I think that's where I'm headed. But then his family moved to another city, started attending another church, and now he's toward the end of his high school career, and he goes and visits with a different minister, and he starts discussing about vocational calling and perhaps calling into ministry. But that minister said something to him that really hit him. And he said, well, I think if you can do anything else, you should. At first, EJ was like, wow, that's a strange thing to tell someone. Do you not like being in ministry yourself? Or what it was that the person was actually getting at was that the world needs people in all kinds of professions, believers who are in every profession that there is. But the way it settled into EJ's heart was, wow, what is it that I feel called to do? And he uh, loved engineering, and he became a chemical engineer. He got a job in New York City and was working for a big company, and he did that for many, many years. He was active in his local church. He worked with a youth group. He had a Bible study at his workplace in New York City. So his faith was very much a part of his vocation, but for almost 30 years, that's what he did was he worked in the business field. But at the age of 55, that company was offering an early retirement package. And so he had always felt a calling into ministry. He thought, well, maybe this is that opportunity. So he took this early retirement opportunity, and he actually went to seminary at the age of 55. So for three years, he got his Master of Divinity degree. He was ordained after that, and he was appointed to a church in Connecticut, and he served there for eight years. And he had a wonderful time, and he did a, a fantastic job. He helped bring this church to life. It was just a wonderful season of his life. I got to watch all this because EJ is my father-in-law. He's my wife's dad. And so 
I know him well. I got to watch him go through everything I've experienced when he was a businessman in New York, when he left that to go to seminary, when he was appointed in the church. I got to see him preach. I got to see him do ministry. And it was a wonderful experience. And I think of his story because uh, it, it wasn't this one bullseye thing that he was called to do. He had multiple callings in his life. And I think that's true for a lot of us, that when it comes to the small c or lowercase calling, there isn't usually just one thing. There are a lot of things that we can do with our lives. But the big question is, are we giving glory to God in the things that we do? Because there's a false narrative, I think, that, that goes something like this. Well, your work doesn't really matter to God. What really matters to God is your faith or your religious practices, but your work, that doesn't really matter. So what's important is that you're, you're a Christian on Sunday, and on Monday, well, whatever you're doing, just doing your thing, collect a paycheck, and so forth. There's this, this bifurcation between the sacred and the secular, that when I go to my workplace, whatever it is, as a custodian or a postman or a vet or an optician, doesn't, real, real estate agent, doesn't matter, whatever that is, that really isn't as important to God. I think that's a false narrative. I think God cares very much about the things that we do, our vocations. And even the word vocation comes from the Latin root, which is vocare, which means to be called. The idea is that we have a calling, that God in some way is calling us to engage in this practice. Now, the ways we choose our occupations make it a little fuzzy, though, sometimes. In my experiences, again, working with college students, I see that sometimes my students will choose their vocational paths on the basis of, well, how much money can I make? Or maybe it was parental pressure. Or maybe some opportunity just came up and I was never thinking about this. And then someone gave me a job in this and I thought, oh, I like this. Maybe it was happenstance or chance. Or maybe it was some kind of deduction, like, well, I, I eliminated the things I don't want to do with my life. But I think for many of us, discovering what that calling looks like can be challenging. But no matter what it is, I think we have to keep in mind that what we do actually matters to God. Your work, your vocation really does matter to God. I write this in The Good and Beautiful You in chapter 10 on page 184. Each of us is unique. We are each a never-to-be-repeated story of grace. We're born with innate passions and proclivities. We're born with specific temperaments and talents. We have unique stories. These built-in dispositions and abilities, along with our distinctive stories, combine in such a way that we find ourselves suited to several different vocations. So we have these talents, these abilities, these dispositions, and we're born with many of them, and some of them are shaped through our lives. And that's why we could do many different things and still give glory and honor to God. I think a lot about Genesis 126. It's an important verse on many levels, but it reads this way. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. 
Now, Genesis 1.26 has a lot there. It's God saying, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And then we learn what that is. What is that, that likeness to God? And it says, let them have dominion. That's a really important word, dominion. Dominion means to rule over something. It means to have say over something. And so it says right away, let them have dominion over the fish, the fish of the sea. What does that mean? Well, human beings can fish. They have dominion over the fish of the sea. They, with their nets or with their fishing lines or whatever, they, they fish and they have dominion over that. They can catch the fish and then they eat the fish and they have dominion over that, right? That's something that they can do. And God gave us that ability to have dominion over the fish and then over the birds of the air and then the cattle and so forth in an agrarian kind of world where people learned how to have dominion over that. But dominion is at the root of what it means to be a human person. We want to have say over something. And so if you think about it, every vocational calling is where we give someone dominion. So, for example, my wife is a sixth grade teacher. She teaches global studies. She has dominion over her classroom. She's been appointed to set the the curriculum that they study. She oversees the students and their learning and their testing and, and all of that. That's what she has dominion over. Every occupation is that way. We have dominion over something, whether it's being an accountant or a fireman, whatever it is. We say, this is yours. This is your responsibility. You have say over this. It's rooted fundamentally in who we are as persons because God made us that way. It's a part of what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. So how do we find, how do we discern our calling? The best quote that I've ever come across is from Frederick Buechner, one of my favorite writers a guy I got the opportunity to spend an evening with, just a wonderful, wonderful man. But Frederick Buechner wrote this about discerning our calling. By and large, a good rule for finding out what we should do for work is this. God usually calls you to the kind of work, A, that you most need to do, and B, that the world most needs to have done. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Boy, that's a great way to think about it. Your calling then is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So back to my wife. She loves teaching. I watch her get excited as she learns about uh, global studies, even in her own life, just learning and think we have discussions about what she's going to teach about. She has a deep gladness about that. And there's a deep hunger because these students need, as a part of their education, to learn about global studies. So there's a need in the world. Those two things come together. And that's why it's a joy to watch her because she's found a calling for her that gives her life and energy, and it's a way that she honors and glorifies God. I think for many of us, we discern our calling by the story of our life. I think of one of my former students named Jimmy Taylor. Jimmy was an excellent student that I had many years ago. He went off to seminary, trained to go into ministry, and he did that, and he had some success in various ministry settings. But eventually, he found 
what I would say is his truest calling, and that is that he is a chaplain in the Air Force. And how did that come to be? How did that happen? So he grew up in a family where he saw his father and his grandfather live their lives as people who had been shaped by being in the military. Now, in Jimmy's case, both his father and his grandfather had struggled with some substance abuse addictions, and Jimmy saw the impact that that had on all of their family. And he could attribute some of that to their experiences when they were working in the Air Force. And so a passion, a longing for Jimmy was, how can I help these men and women who go into the military, who pledge their lives for us, for our country, who do that, but they have to make great sacrifices? Is there something that can be done that helps them maybe not end up as his grandfather and father did? And so the last time I visited with Jimmy, I could just tell the joy that, that was in his life, a joy that I'd actually never seen in any of his previous appointments as a person in ministry. And I think it's because his story intersected with that. His own personal sacred story of who he is came together with what he feels a longing and a calling to be. And really, both Jimmy's story and EJ's story prove that we have different callings in different seasons of life. Some of you listening have moved into a stage of retirement. You're now at a stage where you're not actually practicing a vocation anymore. You're in a different season of your life. Now you're asking certain questions about, now what do I do with my time, with my energy, with my talents? How do I give honor and glory to God in the things that I'm doing in this phase of life? But again, I think the question is always the same. What gives honor and glory to God? Where do I sense this this deep gladness that meets a deep hunger that the world has? And all of that comes together. I say this toward the end of chapter 10 of The Good and Beautiful You. The good and beautiful you longs for a good and beautiful life of purpose and joy. That's why today's thought from above is this. You are called. We are all called to a beautiful life of purpose and joy. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hey folks, I want to let you know about a recent development here at Friends University where I teach. We have an undergraduate degree program in Christian spiritual formation, a Bachelor of Arts degree, that's both a first and a second major. Now, I teach in this program, as well as some other amazing professors, and I am pleased to announce that Friends University is offering an amazing scholarship of up to $18,000 per year to students interested in studying Christian formation as a part of their college experience. In addition to this amazing scholarship, there'll be hands-on learning with ministry leaders, working with me and others, and great opportunities for internships. Again, this is for both a first major, those who plan on going into ministry, as well as those seeking it as a second major, meaning those who are going to become accountants or therapists or graphic designers or teachers or engineers, any number of other vocations, but they also want to grow in their spiritual lives while in college and get a pretty big scholarship to help pay for college. So if you know someone who would benefit from a degree like this, check out our website, apprenticeinstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. Again, apprenticeinstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab.
I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>